one of the most impactful things that I remember my, my grandfather, Grandmaster Burleson, saying to me, um, and it, it has shaped how our school runs now, is just kind of in passing, he said one day, I wonder how many national champions we chased out the door because we hit him with so much so quick. Welcome back to Conversations from the Heart. Today we are joined by Mr. Pierce Burleson from Legends Martial Arts up in First, Texas. Mr. Burleson, thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Really excited to have this talk. Yeah, yeah. We're really honored to have you. I've heard a lot about PJ Burleson and I'm excited to hear about you and your school, Legends Martial Arts. I don't know that much about all the details, and I don't know much about your story and how you got started in the martial arts. So for my viewers, can you tell us a little bit about how you got started in the martial arts and where you are today? Oh, I, you know, I'd love to, and it's, I really like the story because I feel like my story is the same as, or at least very similar to so many other people's. Like, I, I was uh, four years old. Um, my next-door neighbor and I, at the time, who was also about my age, we used to trade Pokemon VHS tapes back and forth, right? Because he would have some of the episodes, I'd have the other episodes, and we would trade them so we could each see the whole show. Um, and then one day his cousin came over with a BB gun, and long story, short, long story shorty, uh, you, know, you know, shot me with his BB gun and chased me up a tree, and I sat up in the tree just crying and peeing my pants for hours. Um, and finally I was able to crawl out of the tree and I came home and I went home crying and my dad said like, son, do you, do you know what I do for a living? And that's how I found out mm -hmm. kind of what the family did and like what the family business was. And, uh, it's been a blast really ever since then. That's awesome. Yes, sir. That's awesome. So you kind of got started pretty young then, I assume. Oh, absolutely. And it wasn't, uh, it's funny because like I, I went of my own volition, but just because, Again, because it was the family business, I have a strong feeling that I would have ended up starting karate shortly after that. It was just uh, perfect circumstances. You know, I have my son now trained under me, and I did start very early, although it wasn't the family business. It wasn't my, my father wasn't a martial artist or anything like that. Um, well, how old's your son? That's awesome. Yeah, he's five. You know, and ah, he's doing so cool. really, he's doing really good. And he started when he was three, and he's in our like little warriors program and whatnot. He seems right, to be right. liking it. You know, sometimes he doesn't want to go, but I say to my son, you know, you got to do two things in your life. You got to become educated. So you have to go to school and you have to learn how to defend yourself. So you have to go to martial arts training. Other things you want to do, that's fine. You know, this, but you have to do things. Yeah. Um, absolutely. I couldn't agree more, by the way. That's absolutely right. Yeah. But I don't want to push him too hard, you know, of but, course. I feel, but I really want him to love martial arts. How was your experience growing up in the martial arts and kind of in the shadow of these great masters? Um, did you feel like this immense pressure to perform or did you enjoy the experience? Um, I, there was definitely some pressure, but I have to be super clear. The pressure was never from my family ever. Uh, they were just happy that I was here. You know, they might, you know, they were, everybody was always really busy. We were always running around doing this and that and kind of getting everything together because from my experience, the martial arts community is not the most well planned out, uh, 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 group, we we normally just kind of make it happen very well, I might add. But um, but that has been the the theme that I've noticed. Um, and uh, it's there was a, there was a lot of the Burleson kid, a eh? um, and which was which was subsequently followed by usually getting smacked around. I, I was was a very kind of a very very average martial artist. Um, it's just been a really long time, and I'm still here. Yeah, well, that's how everyone gets good. They just stick. I, I agreed. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, I think our central topic we want to talk about today is, you know, transitioning martial arts through the ages and how we've, we've changed sort of over the years. I don't know about your school and I want to hear about how your school has changed, but I'll just kind of lay the groundwork that I see in the martial arts for everyone. And that is, you know, there was an era, you know, in the 70s and the 80s where it was kind of more of the, and even before then, you know, kind of more of the blood and guts era of martial arts. 
And then, you know, sort of in the, starting in the, in the 90s, especially like in the mid-90s, uh, real strong commercialization of the martial arts to the point that, in my opinion, there was a little bit of over-marketing of the black belt uh, that kind of went in there. Um, although I think, you know, as mixed martial arts rose, and there's some things I like about mixed martial arts, I really think that it was an important thing to do to start mixing and integrating ideas. And that started long before mixed martial arts. I mean, back in the olden days of Blood and Guts era karate, uh, we would just show up at a tournament and there'd be Kung Fu guys there and Jiu-Jitsu guys there. And we'd, we'd establish yeah. some kind of rules and then we'd play by them. But um you know, the, the mainstream idea of what MMA is and the sort of culture that surrounds it now uh, didn't really emerge until, you know, really the 90s and it was early 2000s, I think, when it became super mainstream. Um, and because of that, you know, there's been sort of a pushback against the commercialization of the black belt and there's some kind of rebalancing, I think, in the culture, which is, which is good. Although, if I had to say, I really, if I had to choose the, the toughness of the two eras, the MMA era, era today and the, the blood and guts era of, of traditional karate back in the, in the old, in the 80s and in early 90s and before that, I would say that I love this because there was still a lot of respect, discipline, tradition, heart, you know, I mean, there's still, there's heart in MMA, but it's, uh, I really don't, I love the techniques. I think it's important, but I don't, I don't enjoy the culture nearly as much as there's uh, there's like so there's so many just different interesting things about it. So first off, one of the most impactful things that I remember my, my grandfather, Grandmaster Burleson, saying to me, um, and it it has shaped how our school runs now, is just kind of in passing, he said one day, I wonder how many national champions we chased out the door because we hit him with so much so quick. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, you know this even better than I do. Like, it was only a successful class if there was blood on the mat. Like, it, 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 was, only, it was only a good day if somebody threw up at some point. And, like, it's so easy to remember that fondly. And I do. I remember it fondly. I remember those four-hour fight Fridays where, like, you would always just – you'd either pass out or you'd throw up. And I remember that fondly. Like, it was – they're great memories. But I would never put my students through that. I, I wouldn't – I would never make them do that. Now, if they want to do it of their own volition, like, I can maybe set something up like that. But yes, sir. I'm going to make that a requirement. Um, um, okay, another, another thing on the, on the like, the over-commercialization of the black belt. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, there are so many, and I know so many just amazing black belts who are pillars of their communities. They're strong members of their families. Uh, they're great role models. Um, I know plenty of black belts who are like that. Uh, I know, I know uh, I'm sure a couple who are maybe not like that. Um, but the alarming thing is I know a lot of black belts who um, um, haven't maintained it, right? Who, who, who still deserve every level of respect. Um, they're still absolutely wonderful, wonderful, wonderful people. Um, but, but, but they couldn't couldn't put their hand through anything and I don't think that they could protect themselves and that's the one thing that that alarms me whenever I see the members who are still really really active in the community but I also know that like they haven't maintained themselves um that can that can make me really really uh, not nervous because it's not like it's not, not a huge huge problem um but it's kind of like I uh there's there's a saying like I want the person I'm learning from to be able to do the thing that they're teaching me. Um, yeah. And so I like, I like to have that. I, I guess I'm really dancing around the fact that I have seen a, an influx of black belts who seem as if they took like a, like a six week, here's a karate course mm. type thing. Um, and, uh, or maybe they're kind of resting on their laurels and, you know, not right. Right. example. But, but, but if you, but if you really, if you've, if you've like really adapted the culture and if you really want to live the black belt lifestyle yourself, you have to, you really kind of keep that to yourself because I just need to be worried about myself, you know? Um, Absolutely. Looking at it as a culture, I, I, I want to make sure that we, A, are taken seriously, especially like in the wake of this, the, the, the MMA craze. Um, but, I also really do like MMA because I think it points out to the average person, yes, anybody can fight, but 
this is what the the average UFC enjoyer um, acts like in, in in general public atmosphere, and then this is what the your average black belt or martial artist practitioner would act like in uh, in uh, in public. If that makes any sense, mm. um, I, I think that in a way they can make us look good. Excuse me, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say, can I can I hop in there? So I'm I'm mostly following, but the the last thing you said there about the difference in acting in public is that. Could you go deeper into that or what you're pointing to there? Because we have the, the MMA culture and the traditional culture, and it, I'm curious about that a little bit. Okay, absolutely, absolutely. So I, I, I want to um, absolutely clarify and say that it's I, I'm not speaking about any amateur or professional UFC fighter that like I know personally, because right. the, the most people I know are very, very, very pleasant people. Um, but I think a good just... Uh, ground floor, just a good example of a person to work with, to, to, to use as, a, as an example, would be like Conor McGregor. Um, okay. I, I'll be the first one to say I don't want to fight him. Absolutely not. That's, uh, that would be a, be a bad time for me. Uh, he, he's an amazing fighter. He's an amazing fighter. Uh, I absolutely have to give him that. But um, a lot of behavior, and I know that at some level, it's got to be like a celebrity antics type, type thing. Um, and uh, like for the camera, like you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta keep your name relevant. You gotta sell tickets. But um, some like the knocking out the old guy in Dublin um, video. That was one of the first things I saw. That I was like, wow, you were a really respected fighter in my eyes. Uh, we don't punch the elderly though. Um, and uh, like that was a really good example of of we can't. You know, like we that horrified me. I was like, as, as somebody as Mark, as somebody who knows how to fight, I know it's my responsibility to absolutely not act like that. Um, so I was a little horrified. Uh, it really made me want to double down on the behavior. I mean, we do lots of life skills and stuff, but as before I get too high on my soapbox and I get too preachy, um, the blood and guts era, the way that they marketed martial arts back then is they'd walk out into, they'd go to a bar and they'd beat everybody up and then leave some business cards on the ground. Um, so like before I start talking about like how, no, we only use it for self-defense. Uh, again, I, I couldn't agree more on the, I like it better how we do things now. Uh, but in that era, you know, I mean, I, I can't speak for every school. Maybe your school is a bit different. But, you know, we, we grew up in the Karate Kid era with that being mm -hmm. part of our inspiration. And I think that mentality, that respect, discipline, integrity was much more part of it. Even if, right. you know, training, there wasn't that many rules, you know. Like, you know, there wasn't a lot of sparring gear and, and contact was heavy. Um, right. at the end of the day, we had a lot of respect for each other and we were trying to become better people through the study of the martial arts. Whereas in the MMA era, um, you know, people have a choice. They can go to a traditional martial arts school and learn right. that respect and discipline, or they can go to an MMA school and they don't have to wear the funny pajamas. They don't have to say yes, sir. And, yeah. and they can just kind of roll in 10 minutes late, grab somebody mangle them up then walk out without really right. um take you know being a part of that you know respect and discipline and that is uh a step in the wrong direction in my opinion now the, the, the techniques are great and you know it sounds like you know uh, just was doing some research into your school and i know you kind of teach there and a lot of the things that you teach you know the kind of integrating the grappling with the striking and all that kind of stuff is very similar to what we do here and i think that's become sort of an essential uh, thing in every school around the country. Um, right. I just, I think, and I, we're getting really sidetracked here from our central <laughs> uh, topic here, but I just feel like happens all the time. Yeah, I just feel like that's really important. Like that respect and discipline is the reason ultimately that we do the martial arts because those leadership life skills we're going to take away. We're going to use every single day. We may need to defend ourselves a few times in our life if we get unlucky, but we'll use those skills every single day. And when we're old and battered and bruised, you know, I, I started out in traditional martial arts when I was 15. I got into mixed martial arts and I've done mixed martial arts about half my life. I've done traditional martial arts my whole life. And I, so I've kind of had one foot in both sides. And I have seen some good people in MMA, but I will say that mm. the prevailing culture is one of heavy machismo that is a little bit caust caustic and difficult to be around sometimes. And, you know, even my friends who grew up in, in MMA and are still doing MMA, now they have schools and they tell me, you know, I'm thinking about getting into like judo or something because the culture here is getting just, it's, it's difficult for me to stay on top because I got every single hotshot young guy coming in trying to take me down. And now I'm in my 40s 
and you know my body hurts and I'm just tired of trying to always be the alpha wolf and it, it's, it's it's not there's no other respect besides physical dominance and yeah, like, I just want to roll sometimes like I just <laughs> I just you know um, you know I couldn't agree more um, but you, you made an excellent point earlier that I, I really wanted to also touch on uh, like the respect like from the blood and guts era like you know somebody knocked you out back then like you'd get up and shake their hand and um, I I like I miss that to a degree. I mean, I, I wasn't there for it, but like I just I wish that, that could still be a thing. But I also wanted to just just to mention back in the day we didn't have the um, the concussion. Uh, we didn't have the information about concussions that we do now. Like we just didn't know that. Um, we didn't know how, how how harmful that that was to you long term. And like you know now the time's gone by. I think that's probably one of the reasons why we got why we became so much more careful um with some of those hits and i don't know about you guys but we have like a general 30 percent rule and then the inside joke is i say 30 i would say 50 percent, but you think when, when they think when you think you're going 50 percent, you're going a little harder than that so i say 30 and then you actually end up going 50 so everybody's sparring at 50 percent um, so we've been doing you know we've been doing that and with um you know with 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 the gear requirements and everything i'm very very proud to say that whenever i was um, younger, I want to say maybe 10, 11, 12 years old, we were doing one of those big old uh, tournaments in a rec center, um, you know, one of the old, like a rec center gym. And uh, uh, at one point during the tournament, uh, an older gentleman, he was a grown man. And one of our kind of unspoken rules was that like, if you're old enough to drive and work and like been old enough to vote for a couple, a couple elections, um, that if you didn't want to wear a headgear, then we weren't going to make you. Like, we were like, we're, we would say, you know, I'm not your dad. Like, you don't want to wear it. You don't have to wear it, but you should. Um, and that was the rule up until a gentleman's eyeball. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. I don't want to be graphic or anything, but you understand exactly what exactly what was happening there. Um, and it was unreal. It was out of a movie scene. Like, it was out of a horror movie. And, like, everybody was shielding the guy just to keep the children from seeing it. Mm -hmm. Um, and at the end of the day, it was a Saturday afternoon at a, at a popular rec center. Um, and, uh, like if one thing was understood, it was that that couldn't happen again. Um, right. Right. that couldn't happen to us again. Um, it, 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 you know, accidents happen and whatever, whatever. It was no, not necessarily anybody's fault, uh, except for, except for ours, because I did have the responsibility to have to keep everybody safe. So, so. If I can hop in there, just off of that whole story you just told, um, you know, we were looking at the website and kind of doing some research into Legends Martial Arts, and it looks like you guys have an awesome training program where your instructors come up through the program, and like all of the black belt instructors are, you know, created in house, right? Yes. And that is something that's really amazing. I'm curious with that kind of sort of connection to the school and you know they've been there for a long time what signs other than you know the extreme of somebody's eyeball popping out right. what signs are you guys looking for when it's time to make a change you know we've been talking about these phases of the martial arts over the past few decades and right. You know, is there a moment like those moments, probably of less severity, where you say, Yeah, it's less extreme. Um, okay, a great example. Um, over the last, I want to say the last, I'll say five years, over the last five years, um, we have brought our, I need some wood to knock on. Um, we haven't had, we haven't had a single concussion in the last year. Uh, and five years ago, I think we, I want to say we had three or four in one year. Um, so, uh, definitely less serious. I mean, concussions happen for tons of reasons. Um, but, uh, and it wasn't, it, it, we had the gear situation solved. Like everybody was wearing all of their gear. You weren't allowed to fight without it. I mean, you get, you get pulled off the mat if you, if you tried to sneak in without a mouthpiece or something. Mm. But despite all of that, you know, people don't want to wear their mouthpieces, you know, they're uncomfortable. And like, I understand, but, uh, at the end of the day, I needed to, I needed to fight more. I needed to be more willing to be a grumpy, yelly, um, um, uh, I, I had to be that guy. Um, it's my job to be that guy. And, and I really don't like to step into that role if I don't have to. Um, 
So I think I could have, I could have checked a little bit harder for mouthpieces and, and I didn't. Um, but now I do, and we have no concussions. And so it's really hard for me to try to pass that buck off somewhere else. Uh, whenever the one thing that changed is that I've made an ironclad, like you have to wear a mouthpiece. But it's, uh, it's, it's also not the same litigation-wise era, you know, anymore. You know, you yes. Be careful. And, uh, you know, you got to keep, you have your insurance and a lot of insurance providers require you to wear, you know, full sparring gear because we don't want people's eyes falling out, you know. I, 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 mean, I, I a lot exactly. of stuff like that happens. Oh, yeah. You know, eyeballs falling out. That's pretty intense, but, uh, but yeah. I wouldn't have believed it if I wasn't there. Like it was, it was, and I was so young that some part of me still thinks that like, like if there wasn't another, a whole room full of people right. to it, like I swear it would have been one of those things that, ah, oh, it was like a fever dream of being 11. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's crazy. But you know, I, we, we've had no concussions uh, and uh, that makes me so incredibly happy because especially whenever it's one of your instructors, one of those, uh, one of those kids that started off whenever they were four or five, six years old, uh, and they stuck with it. Their parents kept them in for a decade, and then they got the, the, the age where it was their decision to stay, and then they kept staying, and then it was time to get a job, and then they come and they talk to you and said, hey, I want to do what you do. Like, how can I? It just, like, I have the goosebumps just thinking about it, because I'm so fortunate to have that conversation at least once a week, um, and, you know, I, sometimes I get them when they're, when they're four or five or six. Uh, and sometimes they come to me when they're 16. Uh, I, I, I have a, one, of, one of my good friends, actually, uh, his name's Bubba. And he, I mean, he's a father. Like, his son is a grown man who's, who's come in and helped me teach. But he was like, you know what? I love karate. I, I want to be more involved. And he's been helping me teach. And he's amazing. Like, it's, it, it's all ages. And, and, and uh, it, it's so awesome just to see somebody who's like, hey, I love doing this. I want to help people. Um, so let's, let's, it's just, it's the greatest. It's the greatest. Nice. Yes, sir. Yeah. So, you know, just to kind of take us back on topic a little bit. Right. Before, um, you're like the third generation school owner here, basically. Yeah. Okay. So I, I'm not the school owner yet. I am, I am, that's, that's kind of the transitionary process we're talking about. My father is still very much, uh, uh Chance Burleson, he's still very much in charge, still runs the day-to-day uh, comes and teaches, you know, there five nights a week. Um, and, uh, it's, it is, it is definitely an interesting process, especially because the process of owning a karate school was different 20 years ago and it was different 10 years ago and it was different, uh, two years ago. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, so, uh, yeah. So anyway, I'm just trying to no, go ahead. get a sense for what's going on here. So yeah. you got your grandmaster, uh, J.P. Burleson, then you have your dad, uh, Master Chance Burleson, and then there's you, and and it seems like there's been a tr transition in culture, you know, from like sort of like bamboo martial arts school with really hardcore and people being knocked out, dragged off the mats, to much more of a you know a friendly, warm, welcoming place where people can uh, go out with their eyeballs intact. Yes. Uh, <laughs> when did that transition happen? How, how did that unfold? Was that a lot of you, your influence? Was that a lot of your father's influence? Remarkably, uh, it was, it was Poppy. It was, it was all Grandmaster Burleson. Um, like, obviously, you know, dad wasn't a huge fan of Blood and Guts when he was the small child growing up in it. Um, but, you know, like, we, I can say whatever I want to say about it. It made him tough. Uh, it made him really, really, really tough. And, uh, and but it also helped him. And I don't know if it was the karate or if it, or if it was just Poppy being the man that he was, but it, he also became very gentle too, um, which I think is the perfect combination. Very dangerous and very kind. Um, you know, the, the, the warrior in the, in the, uh, the warrior in the uh, garden. So um, Poppy, as he got older, was like, hey, I, I don't like how much people are getting hurt. Um, and so, I mean, we all just said, yes, sir, because he was, that's just what you said. Um, so, you know, he, he said more gear, more gear, more gear. And so we, and we, we absolutely went with the more gear. And then dad was the one, uh, Master Burleson was the one who kind of made the connection that it wasn't necessarily more padding. Like, yes, more padding was 100% the first step, um, but it was, it was the control. It was, you know, it was moderation of power. It was keeping eyes on every fight. 
It was drilling into people. The second that you feel your heart rate start shooting up there and you feel, you feel your breath speeding up and you understand that you're no longer fighting calm, uh, that there's, there's no shame in saying, hey, this was a great fight. It's actually such a good fight that I step away because I'm believing it. Um, uh, and, you know, dad's the one who really hammered that in. Not, not that he made it a requirement. It is. Um, but he made it cool. Mm. He made it cool to be the one who stepped away. He made, he made it cool to be the one who diffused the situation. Like, I feel like I win if, I, if, if somebody uh, wants to initiate some, an altercation with me and I say, hey, you know what? You win. You, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna whoop on me, man. I got dogs at home I got to take care of. I'm going to let you, you win. Uh, and I walk away. I feel like I won that, that situation. And that's because that's the culture yeah. my father has kind of required of the school um, as, as it's grown. That's awesome. Yeah. I just say, I just say yes, sir, and then demand it of, all the, of everyone else. So we talked a lot about the physical contact and sparring and things like that. But of course, the martial arts school is a lot more than that. And other things can change over time. Uh, for example, business practices, teaching style, um, you know, the cleanliness of the school, that kind of thing. Has oh, that yes. stuff also changed a lot? Because when I was growing up, you know, I, I trained in like an underground bunker basement <laughs> with the fiberglass hanging down and the yep. bowling mat and, you know, you hear the radiator going and you go into the bathroom and there's it's totally unfinished. I mean, it's just, it was just nuts, you know, it's just where oh, we're I have to ask you though, really quick. Do you kind of miss it a little bit? Oh yeah, yeah. I miss it a little bit. You know, I moved. Here, let me tell you a little story. I don't want to get too much. But I moved here to Texas uh, about five, six years ago. Um, right. Although I had been here a little bit before, I'm kind of coming back for it. But anyway, I moved here recently, and I just trying to get into uh, the Texan culture. So you know, big thing around here is barbecue. And yeah. go out to the best barbecue place around, you know, I mean, this is going to be a contentious topic because there's a number of them, but <laughs> sorry, sorry. one, one called Black's Barbecue. Right. They go out there and it's like the area of town that this barbecue joint is, is like, everything's boarded up. It looks like a Western, you know, it's like all these like signs that are strapped onto broken uh, buildings to say, go this way for Black's Barbecue. You get in there and it's just, it's just a wreck. There's not a single picture frame that's like half straight and they're like some are like really close and some are far away and there's like dead animals with cowboy hats hanging on their horns and you know right. like every wall is painted a different color and it has been repainted in like a hundred years and the whole thing there's like a river of like water running right through the middle of the dining room you know it's like so clearly you, haunted yeah oh yeah and, <laughs> and then you, play, you pay for your barbecue and it costs a hundred dollars a plate and you're like what the heck how are these things how do these go together and right. it reminded me a lot of like the, it's like people just like this feel. Like people just yeah. like the kind of rickety, like, you know, yeah. down home, you know, old school kind of feel. And it reminds me a lot of the old, old school, like, you know, martial arts schools where everything was yeah. kind of falling in and stuff like that. And we didn't really care where we were training. It was the nature of the training, not where we trained. And Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, I do. I do miss it a little yeah. bit. But I definitely do. So. We, we, uh, we, and I got this concept from some, from some people that we work out with that are amazing. I'm going to talk about it here in a second. Um, they, uh, the, the concept is like, dis, like, like you want a Disney dojo. Um, you want, you, so you think about Disney, right? Um, and uh, whenever you think about like the company, like let's think like Disney World or Disneyland. Um, I've been to one, I have no idea which one. Um, and uh <laughs> It's very clean. It's the first thing you notice, right? The first thing you notice is that there's not anything anywhere out of, out of place. Everything's where it's supposed to be. Um, the second thing that you notice is that everybody's happy. Like, like, like you're looking at the, the, looking at the, all of the employees, everybody who, who, who is supposed to be there that day is very, very happy to be there. Or at least they are very convincingly appearing to be very happy to be there. Um, and then the third thing, which is a little less dramatic than the first two, is that it smells nice. Mm. Um, and, and that's that's what we want to that's what we want to do. Maybe not just outside when you're walking through the swampish area, but uh, but uh, it, that's what you want the dojo to be. You want it to be like Disney clean, Disney friendly, um, mm. and that 
unfortunately goes directly against the thing that I like. And I have to remember that what I like, I like the aesthetic and I'll, I'm the first one to admit it. Uh, I like the old worn out, like a uh, Chicago boxing gym uh, type style, uh, just, just, just sweaty and, 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 and just <laughs> a place where people get hit. Like you walk in and you think, wow, somebody has been knocked out here recently. Like that's the aesthetic that I like. I don't want anybody to get knocked out. I don't want any concussions. And I have to remember, I don't need to market the gym towards people like me because I'm not necessarily trying to sign up people like me. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm trying to market to, to the parents of children that I know are going to be better people for having trained in martial arts. Mm -hmm. It's not so much that I like, yes, I want to get them in the door. I want to sign them up. I want them to be students. Absolutely. Um, but I firmly believe that there is no situation, there is no issue, there's no problem that any human being on this planet is ever going to go through that martial arts training done the right way will not help with, not solve, will help with. Um, and, uh, and, and so like believing that, I firmly believe everybody should train. So if I have that as my base foundation, then I have to understand that I need to convince them that this is a good place to be get them in the door and then have them be here. And then once they're here, if, if I'm right and it is the right place for them to be, then they'll be here Then they'll stay and then they'll be here. And if I'm wrong, then, you know, yeah, nobody got hurt. Um, but uh, I have to mark, I have to make it a comfortable place for, and this is going to sound maybe a little negative and I mean it in the most polite way possible. Um, I need your average soccer mom to walk into the dojo and think, it smells nice in here. Oh, it looks really, really clean. Those kids are having a good time. That's what I need. That's what I need to aim for. Well, let's be honest. The moms are really the ones who are making all the purchasing. Thank you. I was, I was dancing around. You, know, you, you, got, around. <laughs> you got to cater to that. You know, it's funny. I have a, um, a mentor of mine who has a very successful school, and he was doing a seminar, and I was um, sitting in and, and listening to what he was saying. He was talking about how he went and redesigned his website and he had laid out this really cool, edgy, like black and red website that um, like, like black and white pictures and it felt like very like traditional and old school. And then he showed it to all the moms and they were like, oh, this is the worst <laughs> website ever, you know? And right. said, okay, well, what do you want? And they, they came back with this like, uh, purple and like like this lavender and I don't know it's like like super girly <laughs> website and um, and he was like but that's what we went with and now we get like a million hits because that's what's marketable because those are the people who are actually making purchases and, and deciding whether they're going to sign the kids up so you know I don't know if it's it's got to be a balance because you know when they come in then you know you want to teach some good quality martial arts but you also need to remember you can, you know, my master once told me, he's like, you know, what kind of martial arts instructor do you want to be? Uh, do you want to be the martial arts instructor who has three students and they're all really good? Or do you want to have 300 students and three of them are really good? Because you can do that, you know? And if you just, if you're really narrow-minded, you're going to have three really good students and you're going to, then you're going to start hating the world for people who are more successful than you. Or you can, you know, cast a broader net and then when people are ready you can help them achieve their maximum potential and that's what we try to do here you know it's Absolutely. like as they start going up to the ranks the intensity gets hot it gets it gets more intense and as they prove to me that they can handle the heavier contact the more serious training the more serious training the heavier contact comes um but you don't want to do that the first day day one to some person who's like out of shape and overweight and insecure um that's just going to break them and they're going to leave and have a bad experience oh I, I couldn't agree more we um we do this uh so okay we're actually it's very exciting i've been i've been very curriculum focused recently because we're transitioning from our trans our, our traditional uh linear curriculum that we've used my entire life um it's what we've always done and uh, we're transitioning over to that uh that more um rotating the, the, the rotating curriculum, our circular curriculum. Um, it's been a delightful challenge figuring out how this is going to work. Um, but I love the idea because just like you said, uh, 
I'm not going to have anybody come in for their first or second or third. They won't, they're not going to be in their first month of training and come in and have to learn how to throw somebody or, um, you know, be expected to be able to walk through an entire traditional kata or anything like that. Uh, kind of just having these, those different like levels, those different plateaus, and then kind of expecting the same, the same thing just done slightly better each time that we go in for like a belt testing cycle or like a, like, a, like you know, tick test or something along those lines. Um, and it's been, I mean, I'm just excited to see where we move forward from here, but I'll never forget, we were doing a, uh, uh, it was, we were basically just doing like a little clinic um, with, uh, with, with some people and there were some prospective students. It wasn't necessarily like a, a, an event where we were going and actively trying to get some new students, but we were just rolling and just doing some fun little things. Um, and uh, like long story short, there was somebody there who was really excited about karate. They had studied it, they had read up about it, they had, they had definitely looked into it um, and they were excited to do karate, but this person was a little bit shy, uh, a, a little bit overweight, just a little bit out of shape. Somebody who, by the way, had so much, was po poised to gain so much from martial arts, right? They could they, it could have done so much for them. And during that thing, myself, uh, who had learned how to throw recently at the time, uh, I was so excited to show this person what I knew about karate. And then um, rather than walking through it and giving them the intro as to why this was such a good thing for them, I picked the kid up uh, and and just threw him like, like right through the floor, um, like right onto his back and hurt him. I never saw the kid ever again. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, like, I, like, you know, I still think about it. And it, it really is frustrating. Um, not really frustrating, but it's just something to think about moving forward. Every time that I see a new exciting thing, because you know, every time that you take a, a clinic or every time that you go and you, 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 you take a class with somebody or you get a lesson and you learn that new thing, uh, you want to go show it to everybody like, hey, I learned this new throw. I learned this new collie pattern. I learned this new whatever. And you want to go show it to everybody. And then, yeah, we have to moderate that. I, I'm, I think I'm the worst one about getting super, being so excited about uh, learning takedown. Like I learned, uh, uh, like a, a, a different double leg takedown the other day that looks like it's going to be really successful. So I immediately like ran to my next class and I was like, we're doing takedowns today. Um, it was a warrior class, which makes that story really fun. My three. It's <laughs> like a little worse. Yes. I knew you would enjoy that. Yes. I was like, yes, I'm going to learn takedowns. What's a takedown? Also, I'm five. What time is it? <laughs> so yeah, That's great. That's a it's fun. Story. It's fun. Yeah, there's only so much they can handle, but that's why oh, yeah. we separate them and have their own program. You know? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I, I, so I personally teach uh, those those classes to three, four, five year olds, um, and I have to say it is my favorite challenge of, of my life. I think, like right now, it's it is uh, of my teaching career at least. It's because like it's it's the easiest in most fun class to teach but it is also the most difficult and most irritating class to teach yes, uh, yes. i love it oh man i love it it's a blast yeah it's it's you know if they're if they're bad they can be oof, a lot of work but if they're good mm -hmm. they can be your best students you know like some of them like when our in our advanced little warriors class it's almost easier to teach than our kids class you know oh yeah and, and then our like beginner little warriors class is like really challenging you gotta be almost like mm -hmm. a master uh, to be able to gain control of the kids uh, so but, I really want to ask, yeah. after this last kind of the, the last two years I've going through the COVID thing and um, I, I noticed there were some weird kind of fluctuating patterns throughout that whole throughout that whole thing. But when we first kind of got our boom, I want to say like after the fact, but I can't think of a better way to say it. So I'll just say I kind of after the fact and we've got like this somewhat recent like influx of people who were like, OK, we're getting out of our house where we were trying to start some new things. Um, with most of the students that I saw from that, particularly the three, four, five, my warrior group, um, did you guys notice almost like a, like a, like a lack of social socialization that had normally happened at that age? Um, I had some kids who came in and I, they were, they were like, they were like neighborhood cats. Um, they were just, I feel like at that point, there's normally like a level of you've been in public, you kind of know what the expectations are. And that really yeah. wasn't there. I mean, we're, we're all great and fine and dandy now, like we've learned, but. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we see, we see that all the time. And yeah. um, 
I think especially with the three-year-olds, they always tend to be a little shy getting on the mats and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I, I think that's a a reasonable conclusion considering things, you know, I mean, a lot of kids right. were kind of shut in for many possibly years, you know, and I didn't really get that socialization that they needed. Mm-hmm. I think we, we definitely saw it. I don't know if it was like above and beyond uh, normal, but I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. I honestly wasn't, um, maybe I wasn't paying attention to it too closely because right, I'm right, always right. expecting kids to be like the worst possible like, <laughs> situ- you know, scenario. And then I just, yes. I just say, I'm going to break them. You know, I don't, I don't, yes. I don't tell anyone that, but in my mind, like, I will break you no matter who, where you're coming from. And um, yes. I just go in with that like fighter mentality. Yeah. I teach you. I mean, I tell my, I love that. Yeah, my, 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 my parents hopefully never realize this because we, we were very approachable and we're very, right, of course. And, you know, all this kind of stuff. Well, you know, when I'm in, when I'm in my office, it's like my war room. And I say, like, guys, we're preparing for battle. We're going to go out there and we're going to, you know, give our very best effort. We're going to make sure that we don't let the kids get away with, you know, anything. Because even right. just a little bit can lead to a mile and then the whole class goes sideways. So you of need course. to get up there at their point. You got to bring them right back. You know, if they're not following along with their exercise, you help, you know, help them figure out what they're supposed to do. And, um, and so, you know, we're kind of always just proactive. So it's sometimes hard to see too much of a difference but yeah Yeah. no I I definitely understand that I've I've worked with a lot of my assistants on the whole uh my general rule with my assistants is um if you are 15 16 or older um I will fully expect you to pick up a child that is that has decided that they no longer would like to do the things that we are doing Mm -hmm. um which is not, you know, it's not a big deal. It happens, but sometimes we get a little overwhelmed and we need to take a minute. Uh, we need to go maybe have a chat with mom or dad and, and refocus and remember that we do want to be here and we just got excited. And, um, but I have, I, so I had my, my TNT, my teachers in training, my younger ones who are, you know, uh, 10, 11, 12, 13, who are like, Hey, I think I want to teach karate. And, you know, I get them in and I love that they're yeah. absolute joy to work with. Um, but I have this one young girl and she's definitely recently, it's kind of clicked in her head. Like, Oh, I'm the boss. I have the power. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and I, I can use it and exercise it. But I remember watching her, she was teaching about a month ago with me and we had this new student who came in. He was very excited to do karate. Um, and, uh, whenever he found out that the way that we start is the single line, uh, we have to bow in. Well, he was not a fan of the bowing in idea. Um, and so he wanted to not do that. And uh, she just kind of looked at me and then she looked at him and then she looked at me and I was like, go ahead and you can, you can, you can pick him up. And it all happened in that moment in her face. I like, and I'm totally just projecting this onto her, but she, she like, she's like, oh my gosh, I'm the adult. I'm not the kid. I am a kid, but I'm not the kid right now. Right now I'm, I'm the one in charge. And threw him over her shoulder like a little fireman and, Walked him right over to her. <laughs> she's eleven. She's she's this big. Like yeah, yeah. Right? That's the craziest thing. Awesome. Yeah, That's I do great. love it. You know, whenever you see that leadership become manifest on the floor, it's just such a powerful experience. Because well, it has to be organic, right? Like you can't force that into somebody. You can't beat them into being a leader or yell at them into being a good leader. Like they have to cultivate it inside of themselves. Um, yeah, I really feel like maturity is really up to you you know it, it a lot of people talk about age but i feel like age is not as that not that important maybe i feel that way because i was a little kid and i was very serious very mature and i never talked and i always wanted to do my best i wanted to be like bruce lee i didn't like cartoon character martial arts i wanted like serious martial arts even from a very young age and so that's what i teach at my school i'm like i just assumed that all my students were are, are like all my little kids are like i was no, maybe they're not all like that, but I kind of force them all to be. <laughs> yeah, oh, no, of course, and, um, of course. And I just, I tell them like, look, if you want to be treated like an adult, act like an adult. It doesn't right. matter if you're, you know, 12 or you're, you're 45, you know, you can have someone who's like 45 that acts like a kid, you know, they, they lose, they lose at sparring and they throw their gloves down and they get frustrated mm-hmm. and they're acting like a child. And then you can have a little kid who's, you know, 15, you know, 12 years old or something and they act so maturely. They shake their hand after they, they lose mm. their sparring down, say good job. Thank you so yes. much. It's like, it doesn't matter. It, it, it's really right. up to when you make the decision to look at yourself yeah. and control your actions. That's, that's when you become an adult. 
I couldn't agree more. We um we do these life skill packets right every ten. Well, we don't. It's not a pack a hard packet anymore. We do these life skills every ten weeks, every belt testing cycle. Uh, right now, we're talking about competition. Um, we're in between tournaments right now, and so uh, I, I love it, it, basically exactly what you just said. That's kind of like the, our focus these last couple weeks is you know if we're about to fight. Um, like we're, con we're competing, like we're not enemies. Like we're both people who love doing karate, who are here on a weekend of our own volition to do the same thing because uh, we love it, which is, you know, have a fight. Like, that's great. Like we're friends. Like I, I want you to do a good job. I want to do a good job. Like I want to win, but you're my second choice. Like, like let's, uh, mm. let, let's do that. And trying to just let the kids know that that is exactly, that is exa exactly what, the, what, it, what, what, uh, what, what a competition is. And, you know, I, specifically, it's the tapping of the gloves, right? So I demand it. Like, you know, we face each other and bow. You face the uh, whoever's the, the official, whoever's watching the fight. Um, you face them and bow, tap gloves, say good luck, uh, yada, yada, yada. And then after we're done, you know, you face them and bow, you tap gloves, say good job. And it's, I don't want to be the guy who like legislates good behavior, but, ex but that actually is exactly kind of what I want to do. Um, I want it to be organic, but I've kind of learned at this point that it will be organic and they will really do it for real because they feel that way, but they have to be directed in that way first. Um, yeah. And uh, when I was, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, um, when I was a kid, all the adults around me said, oh, you are such, you're such a well-mannered young man, you know, and they would say, and my teachers would say that and, and, and whatnot, my parents' friends. And then of course. what they didn't realize was every time I, uh, you know, got someone gave me a gift, I would, I would take it and my mom would say, say thank you. And then I would say, oh, okay, thank you so much. You. And, and, and it was because she taught me how to act that eventually right. it became my, my character. Mm -hmm. And if, if she hadn't done that, if she hadn't shown me leadership by example, I would have never become, become that kind of a person. So I feel like, yeah, one way you could look at it, you're kind of forcing them to, to be a certain way. But I honestly think you can also look at it like you are leading by example and telling them, no, oh, this is the kind of leader that we are here at the school. And right. this is how we expect you to act. And maybe it's a little fake at first, but what, what, you, what you fake, you eventually make, you know, over Amen. time. Absolutely, absolutely. I, um, I really, really enjoy... Uh, working with 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 the with, with with that TNT group because again whenever I whenever I was growing up I think I was either eleven or twelve I want to say I was twelve years old um, I was sitting in the back room of a boys and girls club that we taught at in Crowley on Tuesdays um, I think I have that right it might have been Mondays but anyways I, we we were we were at the school and I was in the back room I had, the Game Boy DS had just come out like it had just come out um the back screen and the with a with a backlit screen and the touch screen and everything so i was back there playing whatever pokemon had just come out and my dad walked in and said come out here i need your help i need your help on the mat and so i said oh yes sir absolutely and so you know i throw my belt back on and i run out there and i jump on the mat and so it's my dad myself and then a class of like 30 or 40 people and we didn't separate back then like it was it was it was and that was kind of one of the draws was you could hey you could take karate with your with your family and we just um we still do that just different classes now um but i mean i had my oldest oldest student i think was like maybe 66 and my youngest was four and four or five and everything in between and there was no introduction to how to teach so like i walked onto the mat and i was terrified looking at gentlemen who were my dad's age and i'm not going to tell that guy to get his hands up i you know even if his hands aren't up he could beat me up i'm 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 a i'm a child um, it, it was, I was really, I really lacked a lot of confidence when it came to going into class and like trying to do all that. And so I, I learned how to not, I learned how to teach by saying, by, by, by like, Hey, don't do that. Hey, don't do that. Hey, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. uh, I learned, and I'm very, very, very proud to say that I have, I, I've worked on it. Like I'm, I, I'm good at, at teaching karate. Like I'm very good at what I do now. Um, but it's been a process for sure. And I know that the process, not that I needed it to be easier, it could have been, and I can make it easier for other people. Um, so we've written out a curriculum. We've, uh, we've, 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 we do classes Tuesdays, Thursdays, and, and then on Saturdays, and we really train on how to teach 
it's ridiculous, but that compliment sandwich, man, that praise, correct praise, it is my favorite, favorite thing. Just because once you understand what that is, you can distill it down and you can use it. It can be anything. And, it, it, and it's such an, like, it's probably the only way I communicate whenever I'm at work now. Um, like, no matter what it is that we're talking about, oh, nice thing, constructive criticism, nice thing. Yes, sir. It's, it's the greatest. And I am, um, I, I, stuff, all of this great information that, that I've been fortunate enough to get and, and, and adapt. Uh, this is all been, it's all come from our friends uh, out in California, uh, the Kovars, the Satori Alliance. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're great. Amazing, amazing people. I cannot talk them up enough. Um, Hanshi Kovar has been an absolute yeah. light uh, for us and are like, you know, he's been a huge guy, the whole, the whole uh, Satori team. Um, they've really, really helped us not only to understand some of these concepts, but in an accountability sense, like as like a friend to friend accountability, um, like, hey, just calling to make sure that you're still uh, doing your eight point progress checks and calling, checking in with your students to make sure that they're happy. Like, hey, how's the, um, how are those match chats working out for you? Did you try turning everybody around to face away from the mirror? Like really, like just like the nitty gritty stuff like that. It's been, mm. I can't talk them up enough. Are you doing their, because uh, they've pressured many times to do like coaching and stuff, like business. Yes. Are you doing that with them right now? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. So the, dad is, is uh, Master Burleson's doing what is doing the coaching stuff through through them with um, uh, uh, Hanchi Kovar. And one of the greatest things that it's done is it's put us in connection with some really, really uh, uh, solid schools around us. Like out in Abilene, there's um, Teen Chip um, with uh, Master Chip Townsend. I've gotten to meet him now several times. Um, he's one of my real life heroes, not, not because he can put his foot through more bricks than are more, are more, uh, baseball bats than anybody else in the world. <laughs> that, that's been cool to see that too, but he is gotta be one of the most giving patient kind men that I have ever met in my life. I, um, and his whole family is the exact same way. Like they are all just so just giving with their time, their energy, their resources. Uh, they, and, and they're just so happy to help anybody that, that, that wants to help. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, my favorite thing is the people I've had to meet, I guess is, 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 what, is what I've got to say from that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, David Kovar is awesome. I've done a lot of seminars with him. And I love how he combines both good quality martial arts, good yes. quality martial arts instruction with good business sense. Cause I feel like, it's like the trinity you have to kind of bring together. And I love how he always says it, which is like, I'm a martial artist first, a teacher second, and a businessman third. Because uh, those priorities can get mixed up sometimes. But uh, Absolutely. He manages to do it really well. If I can, well, I uh, think, uh, I think yeah. at the end of the... Oh, well, I'm so sorry. Go ahead, please. No, go for it. Say that. I'm going to kind of... I was just going to say, at the end of the day, I, I, I really think we're all businessmen out of necessity. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is what we want to do, right? Like, I mean, we want to, we want to work out. We want to, we want to teach other people to work out. We want to know how to fight. We want to teach other people how to fight. Like if we, if, if, if we didn't, like if we were all retired and living very comfortably, I feel like this is what we would be doing anyways. And so I feel like the whole, the business part is something that I shirked from forever. Like I, I didn't want to look at it. I didn't want to, I, I ran from the, the numbers and the calling of people and the organizational. I just want to teach karate, man. Um, I'm not serving myself and I'm not serving my people doing that. Um, yeah. I have to do this. And it's like you said, it, it's a necessity. So even if I don't want a businessman to be on the list at all, I, I, it has to be so. I'm a big believer that your business is either growing or it's dying. And if yes. you don't have a, like a growth mentality, um, you're going to be failing. So you, you kind of, out, out of necessity, have to be a businessman. I have to approach things in a business sense. You know, like, you know, I, a good example is my drinks. Like I, I didn't have a business sense with my drinks and I was just like, okay, trying to a little bit make just a little bit profit on those. And, you know, it just takes a couple of drinks getting taken from the cooler for me to end up losing uh, money on the drinks and eventually yes. my wife just said look you're a business you have to make profit we're going to raise the drink price here so that they're more reasonable this is not like you know walmart you have much more overhead and you know it costs you more to get these and it's just a little and that's just one like small example but it's just you need to approach things in a, with a business sense or you're going to get taken advantage of and and they won't even mean to take advantage of you it's just that 
that's just nature. Of oh, absolutely. So for, for me, it's mouthpieces, right? So I have the mouthpieces priced out. Basically, like there is zero profit on the mouthpieces. There, I just and make I just make sure not to lose any money on the mouthpieces because they they, they get lost so often and like through them or throw them on the ground or yada yada yada. So I know that people are gonna have to replace them constantly. So like they're really cheap, whatever. Um, despite that, despite knowing that they are priced on purpose so that people aren't spending an arm and a leg every time they have to get a mouthpiece. When somebody says, hey, I don't have my mouthpiece, I am so bad about just walking over to the mouthpieces and grabbing one and saying, hey, here's a mouthpiece. Um, and then never, they're happy to pay me the $3 for the mouthpiece. Um, but that's on me. I didn't write it down. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't stop what I was doing to get the mouthpiece. I didn't, I didn't pass that job over to somebody else who had more time to get them a mouthpiece. Uh -huh. um, I... Um, and that's the, that you just made me think of, like, that's my current struggle right now is every time that somebody says I need a mouthpiece, what I have to do is I have to take my hands off the, off the everything. I have to take my hands off the project immediately and say, go talk to somebody else about it. Cause I mm -hmm. yeah. yes, sir. Mm. so I was going to say, you know, we've covered a lot of different sections and topics, but yes. uh, the through line here is that conversation about the phases, right? Whether it's the phases between the sort of blood and guts era to now, whether it's the phases from starting your martial arts journey, you know, as an individual martial artist up through those different phases of practice, or, you know, you're a little warrior, right? And, and teaching in phases or instructing in phases, you know, how does it look when you're instructing the little, little kids versus the teenagers versus the young adults versus the, um, you know, 40 plus oh, yeah. age group? Um, I'm curious, you talked a little bit about, you know, how things have changed, you know, in the past 10 years, in the past five years, in the past two years, and coming out of COVID and all of this, you know, I feel like so many businesses, so many schools, and so many people are at a point in their lives now where there's this big transition happening, you know, COVID is still going on, but everybody's kind of like, oh, okay, you know, Austin just lifted um, right. major mandates uh, a couple weeks ago. What are you all focusing on right now out at Legends Martial Arts that you, you know, know is going to take you into the future, right? Like, where, where are you? Where have you been coming from? And, and what's coming in the future that you guys are all moving toward? I know you've talked about this curriculum change. You've talked about oh, yeah. um, really taking time with that instructor training program and really, um, you know, reaching out to these other schools and getting that input. But that's that's I'm curious about that. So yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you. We um more than anything, I'm excited for our curriculum change just because it's take it's I've devoted the most of my I want I want to say the most of my effort energy to that. Um, but I've just a lot of time sp I've spent thinking about what it's going to look like and how it's going to be different for, for us. Um, so between the curriculum change and uh, and uh, we've we've okay scratch that take it all the bamboo league the bamboo league uh we missed tournaments right now we're not a school we're a self-defense school my goal is somebody tries to stop you from getting in your car you still get in your car and go home tonight um like and that's that's my thing um but tournaments are awesome and tournaments it is it, it's a fact that tournaments are good for your training if you compete you will get better you'll see what you need to work on and they're fun there's so much fun i love tournaments if you couldn't tell um and we didn't have a tournament for what two years yes sir and a half at least so we uh we, uh, we didn't have any tournaments for a while and we've just now finally gotten back into the swing of things and so there are a couple other schools that we work with um they're all amazing amazing uh people they've got amazing students amazing teachers and we have all agreed that instead of any one of us trying to throw six tournaments this year everybody's going to throw a tournament this year so we already uh, we already had our very first tournament um, with um, what was it uh, Rising? So we had Rising Phoenix, uh, Integrity Martial Arts. Um, James Holen is going to be there. I know I'm forgetting some. A Texas X from Master Valdez. There's going to be a lot of awesome people there. Um, but uh, we have our next one coming up really really soon, and I'm super duper duper excited for the next tournament. Yes, sir. Nice. Um... What, is, what kind of circuit do you compete with? 
Uh, I mean, it's really, really small. There's just a couple of us, and it's all here in the mid cities. Um, but uh, it's it, it is our own. It, it's our own circuit. Like we we put it together ourselves. Um, the problem was, the problem is competition is absolutely perfect. Uh, it's a great thing, but you got to get in with the right people. I, I had a hard time because I was telling all my students, I want you to compete. I want you to go compete. Mm -hmm. um, and then I wasn't necessarily offering them a place in which to do that. Yeah. But they were going off to compete in just whatever XYZ tournament that they heard about. Um, and most of the time it's fine because as in general, people are awesome. And for the most part, people are just good people and they want everybody to have a good time and be safe. Um, but there was always that one-off tournament that somebody would go to um, and just the, 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 the energy wouldn't be there. The attitude, the respect wasn't there. Um, nothing incredibly notable happened. I mean, some students went off to other tournaments and, you know, got, got beat up a little bit, but um, I mean, nothing crazy. Uh, but I, I realized I couldn't keep talking up tournaments so, so much and not doing it myself. And of course, during COVID, there was nothing to do there. I mean, tournaments only profit if you pack as many people as you can into a small and small event and, you know, and, and keep running. And that's, that was not, that was not the move for those, for those years. Um, but, uh, oh, man, it's, uh, it's, it's been, oh, it, it's just been. Sure. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. We uh, yeah. had that tournament a long time and we're itching to go back to competing because mm. it's, it's very important, like you said, especially mm. for um, upper ranks who are looking for something to inspire them to continue their training. You know, like lower ranks, I don't think it's that important. And sometimes it can be a double-edged sword because they, they go and compete, they don't do so well and they end up quitting. But the right. upper ranks, you know, as they're starting to get skilled they need something to push them to like try to get more skilled you know like if they go to a tournament and they fail once they think they're skilled then sometimes it's like oh i'm gonna get back in there and i'm gonna i'm gonna beat him this next time you know and they have enough uh, grit and tenacity to to persevere and to succeed at that point in their training whereas early on sometimes it can be like whoa i just got like a deer in the headlights roundhouse kicked in the head and uh, I don't like that experience. I don't think I'm going to do that again. Like, I'm going to uh, go do something else. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And hey, I don't know about you, but I had a couple moments like that myself. I took a sidekick to the throat one time and I thought to myself, like, I'm going to go play sports. I'm going to go do something. Different. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. I've been there. Oh, my God. Yeah. All Didn't. Uh, Back so, in the day, people get dragged on stretchers all the time. I remember uh, when I was eight years old, one of the kids in my division got his neck, neck broken right in front of me with a spinning hook kick. And, yep. Oh, uh, you know, nose broken, mm -hmm. fingers broken all the time. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. The last two times I was knocked out, it was a spinning heel kick. And so oh, yeah. I got knocked out to a spinning heel kick for oh. sure. I've knocked people out with it too, which is awesome. Yeah, part. yeah. So it's like the, you get some the, and then you get some. So it's. So there's this, there's this, um, while we were on tournaments, it was making me think, I, uh, there's this uh, young lady that I was able to um, train with a little bit the other day. She came and did a lesson with me and I was able to compete with her. Um, it's Miss, Mrs. Now, uh, Mrs. Kristen Dupacquier. Um, she, I think, I'm sure you could look her up. I'm sure she's got to have something out there. Um, but this, this young lady, I competed with her the other day. Super nice, super um, polite, uh, I'm really tall, so everybody seems a little a little smaller to me. Um, but she's just this little little person, and 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 she seems so pleasant. And then she did her kata, and I swear that woman grew seven feet tall. <laughs> she just she turned into like an entity. She turned into just energy. Like it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. But whenever you're talking about that high level. Um, like I see it with my EQs who are like in the process of training like for black belt right now. Like they, they, I see them taking a whole lot out of, out of their training, but I think like for myself, especially, like, I think I get caught up and I don't know about you guys, but I get caught up so often in like, I'm, I'm teaching, I'm a teacher. I'm a teacher. Like I have to teach, but you, you have to be a student to be a teacher. And I mean, I still, I still train it once, twice a week. Um, but I see people like her, compete she's teaching too she's not i'm not doing anything she's not doing like she's she's sure. also teaching she's also got all these students and all these things that she's got going on in, uh, throughout life 
But then I see somebody like Miss Kristen Dupacchier do that kata, and I think to myself, like, ooh, I love, I'm a martial artist. I love karate. Like, I need to get in there and stretch. Like, I need to get to work. Or like, I need to get some extra work in. Um, so I agree that it's super duper important at, at, a, at a higher level. Absolutely. Well, you're not that far away from us. How, how far is first from Austin? From Austin? Oh, not far. Maybe I want to say three, three and a half hours. Yeah, three. Mm -hmm. okay. We're right between Dallas and Fort Worth. Well, if you ever have a tournament, invite us. We'd love to come. Absolutely. You know what? I'm going to send you guys some information because I have tournaments slotted out for the rest of this year. Uh, yeah. I'd love that. That'd be awesome. Awesome. It sounds like you have a Rising Phoenix already. So we'll be Rising Phoenix against Rising Phoenix. <laughs> a good time. That'd be perfect. I would love that. I would love that. We'll have a good time. We're, um, I'm working on specialty kata with some of my students. I've always pushed formal kata. Um, like traditional katas, and uh, I've uh, told them, like, you can do something along those lines if you want to. I just never personally did it. Um, so that's another thing that we're really excited about right now is I have a couple people who are way more creative um, than I am going through and developing some creative katas for our people to do. It's going to be really fun. Absolutely. I'm really excited for that. Yeah. Yeah. All these kids, are like, come on, let's do it. Let's, let's do the thing. And I, I don't know. I just... When you run toast on 10 million times, just want to do toast on. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, Mr. Burleson, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. And Thank you guys so, so much. Hours, so we don't want to help. Uh, I'll stay our welcome here, but uh, it has been a pleasure. I've learned a lot from listening to you, and you're in such an interesting situation there. You know, three generations of masters. I mean, I, you know, go by master, but I'll consider you a master. And uh, maybe a couple uh, more years. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you've been doing it a long time. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, you know, I hope that we can uh, have you back on maybe later, talk about a different topic. If you have ever have interest, you're very dramatic yeah. guy and have a lot of great things to say. Thank um, I'd love to talk about karate. I'd love to anytime. Thank you guys. This has been a joy. I'm going to be talking about this all day long. I just want y'all to know that. So yeah, thank y'all. Awesome, thank you, sir. Well, take care. Thank you so much. Absolutely, guys. Out. Have a wonderful rest of y'all's day. Thank you so much. You too. All right. If you enjoyed that podcast, please consider liking and subscribing to our YouTube channel, as well as hitting the notification bell. We offer in-person, group, and private lessons at our facility in Kyle, Texas, as well as virtual lessons anywhere in the world. If you'd like to learn more about our programs, you can find us online at risingphoenixtkd.com.